Teachers and counselors are required to go to school and get degrees to teach and advise kids. But anyone can be a parent. No degree or classes required. Welcome to another edition of the New Hampshire Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, Managing Editor at NHJournal.com. I hope you have signed up for our daily newsletters. If not, NHJournal.com, you can do it right there. And on the right-hand side, there's a little box. Type in your email. We'll take care of it. And right underneath it, a place you can support NH Journal and the independent journalism that we do. And this past week was a week where we really proved that we are independent in the sense that we are covering stories that other people aren't covering and providing you content about those stories other people aren't providing you. So if you like that, you got to pay the bills. NHJournal.com, your support greatly appreciated. We also appreciate the support of Dr. Bruce Houghton and PerfectSmiles.com uh, in Nashua. More about uh, Dr. Bruce, my dentist, coming up in just a few minutes. Also coming up, one of my favorite National political reporters, David Drucker. We worked together at the Washington Examiner back in the day. He's now at uh, the Dispatch with uh, Stephen Hayes and Jonah Goldberg and the gang. And by the way, any references to uh, Drucker, pot smoking, ganja, etc., they are totally me being a jerk and have no connection to reality. He's really is just a great guy and very buttoned down and very professional. Uh, and, uh, so that's, that's part of the podcast, but let's start here in New Hampshire, where from a national standpoint and the presidential race and is Sununu going to run, you could argue that there was some news, the, the live for your die pack that's backing the Sununu bid, uh, dropped a uh, sizzle reel this week. Lots of Sununu at his best talking about the economy, talking about, uh, how his management helped, you know, we have the number one return on investment, uh, as New Hampshire journal reported this week in the country, uh, lots of him smiling and drinking beers with uh, with voters and, you know, hugging babies and kissing dogs and all that stuff. Sununu at his best. It's a great video. The problem is that it was dropped the same week that the only thing people were talking about is will Donald Trump be arrested and what will that mean for him? And we have a piece about that where the working theory among some Republicans is that Democrats believe indicting Trump will help him win the Republican nomination, which is why they're doing it. As a continuation of the 50 million bucks they spent in 2022 on races like the New Hampshire 2nd Congressional Race and the New Hampshire U.S. Senate Race, where they spent money to try to help the most MAGA likely to lose in November candidates win the primary. Those candidates did win the primary and they got absolutely slaughtered in November. So, you know, I'm, I don't know if there's a plot here and you can argue that, uh, you know, the Manchester, Man, Manhattan, excuse me, not Manchester DA, has the Manchester DA indicted Trump yet to breaking news? Uh, no, that the Manhattan DA, you know, Alvin Bragg, he does not need any incentive to indict Donald Trump. He wants to, he's, you know, it's, it's, classic partisan politics. His voters want him to. Are you kidding me? Manhattan. Uh, so there doesn't have to be a conspiracy, but there's also converse, uh, a conversation going on about how the case is weak, but Bragg is being pressured. And is that pressure part of some people in the Democratic Party thinking, how can we help Trump be the nominee? And some point where, I don't know, maybe <laughs> when the weather's bad and I'm already in a lousy mood, we may do a podcast on just how disastrous the November 2024 election will be for New Hampshire Republicans if Donald Trump is the nominee. We may we may do that, but it's too depressing to talk about now. By the way, uh, rumor mill is that Sununu has a national fundraiser on board, that he's looking for staff in Iowa. That's pure 
from the rumor mill. I, you know, kept New Hampshire Journal not been able to confirm that, but that's the the buzz among the peeps. And so just passing that along to you there. But there is another overlap with national and New Hampshire stories, and that is the Paris Bill of Rights. And it's no secret if you listen to this podcast or read an H Journal, we are kind of scratching our heads over the fact that Governor Sununu has an issue that absolutely has overwhelming support among Republican primary voters. And it has the kind of support, it has support, excuse me, from the kind of Republican primary voters that right now are all about Trump and DeSantis. And so if, if you want to be the Republican nominee, you have to have support of both the traditional Republicans, you know, the green eye shade, you know, fiscal Republicans and the Republicans who are worried about culture and, you know, are, care about the issues that have helped, for example, Ron DeSantis so much. So Sununu has one. It's right here in his estate. And he's been totally silent. And, you know, we had a piece about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy calling him out about it. And Vivek released a video attacking Sununu on it. I mean, it's it's right there. Perfect opportunity for Sununu to stand up and say, I own this issue of parental rights. Parents, I'm on your side. Here's my vision. You know, here's where I think this goes too far, but this is where I am. You know, you could really just have a thing. It would be a national story. You know, it would fit right into the ongoing narrative. As I record on Friday, the House representatives in D.C. is voting on their parent bill of rights. I mean, it's just it, it, back when I did media flacking, this would have been we, uh, uh, we called it riding the elephant. In other words, you find the biggest story in the room and then you figure or in, the, in the news and you figure out some way to jump on the elephant's back. You know, how can I hook myself to the story people are already talking about? Uh, and yet Sununu's silent. And so that's interesting. It's worth noting. And it's also worth noting that uh, Democrats really did in New Hampshire have put themselves out on a limb on the parents' rights issue. Like there are plenty of issues that are, you know, you have divi- divisions on, you know, environmental stuff, you know, oh, we're going to burn the planet. Oh my gosh, we got to keep you know, heating oil prices low. There's, there's a lot of room to maneuver on a lot of issues. Abortion is a classic. You, you can take incredibly extreme positions on abortion in New Hampshire and not pay a price for it because the abortion issue itself is so multifaceted and people have conflicted feelings and so whatever. But if you go to NH Journal and read the piece we've got up right now, it's an opinion piece about New Hampshire Democrats have declared war on parents. I mean, just the quotes from Democrats. This is there's nothing in here in this piece that it's there's no spin. It's not that uh, you're trying to make it look like you think parents are potential child abusers who are hateful and violent. No, no. Democrats on the floor of the House and Senate in New Hampshire said straight up, parents are violent, parents are dangerous. We can't let them know what the schools know. And that's just, I mean, you're out there. You're just out there. Uh, when uh, Representative Greg took to the floor, to, once again, to talk about why it's important to keep secrets from parents. And this is something that's overlooked a lot. Pardon an aside here on the actual issue as opposed to the politics, which is where we try to focus on the issue. You do know this thing about uh, informing parents. There, I think some of the coverage or some of the statements from Democrats make it sound like that the parental bill of rights turns the teachers into spies to go find out what the kids are up to and then report back to the parents. That's not the case at all. The reason why parents are frustrated, the reason you have the legal case in Manchester is that a parent hears, Hey, did you know your son, when he gets to school, puts on a dress and identifies by a different name and has everyone call him a different sex. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. So this parent goes to the school. Hey, I want to find out what's going on with my kid. Oh, can't tell you. 
they know what's going on. The, the teachers have the information. The administrators have the information. The custodians have the information. The only people who aren't allowed to know what the kid is doing at school are the mom and dad. The classmates know it. The classmates are sending class with him or her or whatever. You know, once again, not judging. That's beside the point. The point is parents want to know what everybody else already knows. Now, you can argue the kids should tell them whatever. That's fine. But that's not how it works in anything else. If the kids, you know, uh, are failing a class, no one says, well, we know he's failing and you know he's failing, but don't let mom and dad know he's failing. No, it's of course, of course you tell them because they're the mom and dad. And because Democrats have now solidly said straight up, parents are more dangerous than teachers. We should trust teachers more. Teachers should be the guides for students dealing with difficult issues like sexuality. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just say you want a total stranger who's not related to my son at all? Be his guide as an adult through sexual questions and you want to keep it secret? I can't think of any part of what of that sentence that's a winner in an election. This issue is very ticking time bomb for Democrats because they've gone so far out because they keep saying things like parents are too dumb to understand, which once again was said from the house floor, teachers and counselors are required to go to schools to degrees, but anyone can be a parent. As representative Greg said on the floor, I'm like, what do you, did you not see what happened when state Senator Deitch said the same thing? Uh, what do you mean school choice for parents? Parents are dumb. They don't know how to handle this. Do they have college degrees? I mean, this is, it's a combination of elitism and cultural extremism and, uh, you know, uh, uh, arrogance and government versus people. Every aspect of this issue is a downside with the vast majority of voters. Uh, UNH polling confirmed the New Hampshire Journal polling, which is when you go to this, should parents be able to know about the curriculum? See what books you guys have in there. And once again, we're talking about books that literally depict art of uh, males having fellatio on each other. And it's in your middle school. It is not, you don't have to be a weirdo to wonder, gee, maybe that shouldn't be in middle school. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. The, you know, the, the right of parents to, 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 to know about this overwhelmingly Democrats overwhelmingly supported the right to know what kids are doing regarding sex and gender. Overwhelmingly. We're talking about three to one. And in some cases, four to one numbers in polling and among parents, as opposed to the population in general, it's even higher. So ask yourself, why are New Hampshire Democrats doing this? Why are they going out on this limb on an issue that, let's face it, how, what, however you feel about the trans issue and sexuality, et cetera, the percentage of gay people in the United States is small. The percentage of trans people is a fraction of the percentage that uh, of people who are gay. So you're just, by definition, you're talking about a small group of people. And since elections involve, you know, votes, you'd think why, you know, this is a lot of political capital for a very narrow group. There, there are two reasons. One, and uh, Rui Teixeira, the center-left political analyst and demographer, has a new book coming out about this. Um, the Democratic Party's uh, top-down control, the people at the top 
are very bought into these cultural issues. You know, that's why, you know, you always hear Republicans laugh when people talk about cultural wars. They're like, I, I didn't start the fight about having boys in my daughter's bathroom using the bathroom, you know, you, you know, in, in the locker room. That's not me. Uh, and so he points out that, you know, that the people at the top, the media, the uh, elite, white, affluent, suburban, college-educated people who are have now taken the reins of the Democrat Party are very progressive, very outside the middle of the bell curve on this issue. That's one part. But the other part is this, and, I, and by the way, this isn't dumb at all. Democratic Party Chair Ray Buckley and Senate President Donna Susi and House uh, Democratic Leader uh, Matt Wilhelm, they look at the Republicans in New Hampshire and they think, these idiots, can't, they can't do this. They can't handle this. They can't. This is, a, is this a sure winner? Absolutely. But the Democrats, the Republicans are so bad at handling issues like this that they will mishandle it and your average Democrat in blue-collar communities where 80% of the voters think this is crazy will not hold the Democrats responsible because the Republicans won't be able to make the case. They've decided that the Republicans in the legislature are so bad at politics that they won't pay a price. And I got to say, after four years of observing, I can't say that's a completely bad <laughs> argument. And so we'll see. Democrats are taking a chance. They are super serving their fringe base. There's a lot of money among those white, affluent, wealthy people, and it's, it pays for a lot of ads. And so the Democrats got that going for them. But they have given an opportunity to Republicans. Will Republicans be able to take advantage of it? Then again, if Donald Trump is the nominee in 2024, <laughs> none of this matters. So there's that. Hey, real quickly, before uh, David Drucker with the dispatch joint, the pot-free David Drucker joins us uh, for the podcast. Uh, big thanks to Dr. Bruce Houghton and his lovely bride, Stephanie, who both work together at Perfect Smiles dot com perfect smiles of nashua i don't know husband and wife working together my wife would have killed me if we worked together but they are great together they're a terrific team and they take care of you at every level first of all if you have issues with your smile dr bruce just the best of the best all the latest technology all the latest strategies they can do obviously do the basic cleanings etc but they can also do amazing stuff that literally changes the shape of your face, you know, how your smile looks it's it's astonishing they've got videos up perfectsmiles.com amazing work but the other thing too is they're just great people. So they make you feel really comfortable. I'm one of those, I hate the dentist, marathon man. You know, is it safe? And I have never had a bad, you know, I said, that's actually, I hadn't thought about that. I really, this is true. I have never had a bad visit with Dr. Bruce. They're just so smart. They have strategies for chilling you out, making it comfortable, uh, making sure you know what's going on. There's, they're great people, great environment, and you will not find better dental care than you get from Dr. Bruce at PerfectSmiles.com. Please tell them that Michael Graham at the New Hampshire Journal podcast sent you. David Drucker, <clears throat> formerly of the Washington Examiner. Now he's part of the island of misfit political toys known as the Dispatch. Welcome to the New Hampshire Journal podcast. Great to be here, Michael. Thank you. So current state of the GOP race for the 2024 nomination, in your opinion? Well, I think it's still very uncertain. I mean, obviously Trump is the front runner and is a strong front runner, but I don't think this is 2016, and I do think he's beatable. But first, we have to see if Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida actually does run, and if he runs, can he mount the kind of campaign that uh, can take advantage of the early strong support he has? And even though some of the recent polling is trending in Trump's direction, and look, when you're a candidate, you always want polling trending in your direction. Even though that's been the case, that's that's happened 
uh, while DeSantis is not yet a candidate, and that impacts how voters look at things. It also impacts how the governor engages. He's engaging more, but once you're a candidate, you engage on a different level. So there's a lot we have to learn so far. I think one thing we know um, this early is that so far, Nikki Haley, excuse me, You know, this this is a problem when I call you at uh, personal medicinal time, isn't it? I caught you. It's a self-medicating time in the afternoon. Put the hooker down. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. Going back, I'm sure you'll edit that out. I think one of the things we've learned at this, er I think one of the things we've learned at this early stage is that Nikki Haley is not yet a factor. And I don't make too much of Vivek Ramaswamy, even though he's a very interesting figure. Well, he's got money and he's in New Hampshire and uh, the day of the New Hampshire vote on the parental bill of rights, uh, not only did Vivek speak out about an issue that's red hot in the Republican primary, as you know, among the base voters, but it's red hot in New Hampshire, but Governor Chris Sununu was notably silent about it and hasn't spoken about it. And, and so Vivek is, he's out, I think, trying to uh, pick fights that will let him show off his, uh, his, you know, let him play in his wheelhouse. Does that seem like? Yeah, I think that's exactly what he's doing. I, I think I'm just very skeptical because what I've learned over the years is that voters in New Hampshire and Iowa and South Carolina, for that matter, uh, they take their status as an early state very seriously. They pay yes. attention to candidates they kick the tires, but they don't show up at events because therefore they're going to vote for you. They show up because one, they like it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Two, it's their civic duty. Three, it's another reason why you keep coming back to New Hampshire because we're going to show up right. and we're going to give you a hearing, but it doesn't. And by the way, this has been true of, of top tier candidates. Just showing up doesn't mean you're getting their vote. So when I start to see some polling with some traction, then I'll mm-hmm. say, okay, we have something here. Um, and, and I think, you know, for Governor Sununu's part, somebody who's also looking at, at possibly getting into the race culture issues don't animate him he is very open about that he wants the republican party uh, to get back to a place where it doesn't use the government to impact culture and focuses on you know uh, fiscal conservatism uh, national security issues and things like that and and so i wouldn't expect Right. Him to really uh, be overly vocal about something like this. And that, and that raises the question of whether a candidate can run in the kind of old school, fiscal conservative, socially disinterested lane that uh, political strategists absolutely love David Drucker. We hear from the, these people who's, ah, the socialists don't have people vote their pocketbook, which of course, has, <laughs> I don't know when that was last true, but it is not recently. I think you kind of blew past something that I don't, that people should acknowledge more directly, which is based on the polling data and what you hear when you talk to not hardcore political people, but kind of average primary voters is that absolutely they would nominate Trump again. And this idea that you hear from the pundit class and like I said, the, and maybe the kind of people who want some new classes, Oh, he just can't win. He's not going to be the nominee. And I'm I, guys, I don't know what you're talking about. He absolutely well, I- be the nominee. Yeah, he absolutely could. Listen, I think there are two different classes of pundit here. If you talk to the pundits in Washington, where you look at the press coverage, they're basically are handing the race to Trump today. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is fighting the last war. Then you have this element of the party that still would like to reinvigorate the strength of the Reagan wing, if you will. 
And the difference uh, is that the grassroots of the party and even some of the other voters beyond the base, I think are in a place where they've accepted the fact that government is big and active. And if one side is gonna use um, government to impact culture and institutions, they're looking for a pushback, mm. right? So the old, old Republican party or the more recently departed Republican party <laughs> uh, was focused on social issues, but in a different way, right? I mean, they were avidly pro-life, but what was that about? It was about appointing judges who would give states the right to handle abortion as they see fit. Exactly. It was about preventing the government from legislating to make legal same-sex marriage. And now people in the Republican Party, uh, the grassroots for sure, mm -hmm. are looking to government to, to either dismantle or disrupt or reform government-based institutions to, got to function more socially conservatively. And that is just a departure from where Republicans used to be, which was, we don't want government institutions to be political at all. We right. want them to leave everybody alone. And that's just, it's not where the party is anymore. Mm -hmm. And so you're not gonna end up with a Republican nominee uh, that can, right. that is going to, I think, to be from that wing of the party. I will say, um, I, I, think the, I think journalists, pundits in Washington um, are very confident in Trump's prospects. And in some, some cases, I think too confident. He is the front runner. He is a strong front runner. He can win the nomination. He may win the nomination. But it's not a fait accompli, mm -hmm. and we have to see how this primary plays out. You know, I, I try to keep reminding people, Joe Biden, the inevitable, he was always going to be the nominee. He, he lost Iowa, then lost New Hampshire even worse. And there was total panic about what was going to happen for him. A lot of things are going to happen. This is just March of 2023. We haven't even gotten to March of 2024 yet. Calm down. I agree with you on that. I want to ask you about the, the flip side. Uh, you were talking about how D.C. views this race, and it's so easy to just give up and say, well, it's going to be Trump, and I, I'm tired of, de of deluding myself. It's going to be Trump. How does D.C. feel about Joe Biden? Because I hear from my uh, D.C. buddies a lot of Soto Voce off the record. You know, I'm not sure he's going to be the nominee. Meanwhile, everywhere you look, it's a done deal. It's it's Biden 2024. If he runs, he'll be the nominee. Yeah, I think so. And but are you hearing from people simple. who wonder – is there, no, what is there... I'm hearing, from, what I hear from are people who are concerned about his age. Right. What I hear from are people who say, if it turns out that Trump isn't the nominee, then we could have a real problem. But there is a lot of confidence that if Trump is the nominee, not that Trump can't win. I don't think people are naive about that, but they feel that Joe Biden is a very good candidate to run against uh, Donald Trump. I mean, you know, absent a young, you know, absent somebody who'd be obviously a great candidate that's just, you know, 20 or 40 years younger. And there's just a lot of confidence in him versus Trump, not so much against any other Republican. Sure. And so, and so that's, I think where you hear the skepticism the most. And that's also the inspiration to the conversations about why would Democrats be uh, working so hard to charge Donald Trump with a lame, hard to explain crime in New York. And the answer is because they want him indicted because that'll, rally around the flag. It'll make it that much more likely he's the nominee. And uh, that's what the former U.S. Senator Pat Toomey told me the other day. I asked uh, your good friend, Bob Shrum, fellow California, fellow original Californian uh, about that. He said that's preposterous. The Democrats aren't trying to get the Trump the nomination. And as Shrum put it, 
I don't want him to be the nominee because he might win. So what yeah, do you think I of think the a, Dems trying to help Trump uh, scenario? I, I just think that in both, by the way, both sides do this, but there's way too much conspiratorial thinking in like what are Democrats doing? You know, right. I, I think you have to understand the Democratic voters really don't like Trump and really think he's a bad guy and really think he deserves to be indicted for all sorts of things. And if they were being strategic about it, they probably would just leave well enough alone or depend on the special counsel's investigation or the investigation in Georgia. Certainly not this flimsy, you know, FEC-based sort of case right. out of New York. But as I like to tell people, uh, the attorney, the, the district attorney in New York, uh, Bragg, he's got voters too. <laughs> and his voters are Democrats and they hate yeah. Trump. And if he just lets Trump off the hook, I bet you he's going to get a lot of lip from people in Manhattan right. that are like, how could you back down to that crook? You had him dead to rights. He deserves to go down. And I just think we overcomplicate this by looking yeah. at some grand you know, there's a puppeteer and it's just not what they're doing. And they're certainly not doing this because they're afraid of Trump and trying to get him out because they feel very confident that they can beat Trump. Yeah, they, they feel want less him confident in. about That's anybody else. That's my point. They're indicting him because they want him in and they know that it's but I, yes, the car. I don't that think that's plays. why Bragg is doing it. Correct. But I don't think that's why Bragg is doing this. But um, I will say that I would I would dismiss this entirely. And I now only dismiss it mostly after watching the Democrats spend 50 million dollars successfully creating Republican candidates to run against in 2022. So, you know, I mean, so why wouldn't you do it again? Worked great last year. Well, Trump helps, though, because Trump makes himself the center of attention for all of the reasons that are, are not good for the Republican Party, even if they're good for him. One last question for you, and this is kind of just me curious. Uh, I love the dispatch. Obviously, uh, you know, we hung out with uh, Steve Hayes and Jonah Goldberg, et cetera. Uh, has your beat changed now that you're over at dispatch.com, which, by the way, everyone should get the newsletters. They're absolutely great. You guys do terrific reporting. I appreciate that. No, it hasn't. I'm, I'm still covering the campaign trail. Obviously, we're in a presidential election cycle, so a heavy focus on 2024. And, um, you know, they hired me to be me. And so it's the same Ooh. thing that I was doing at the examiner. Uh, but I'm able to do it now in a way that I think will allow me to do more of it. I, I, I got to be honest, Chuck, I was hoping for a little bit of improvement, a little bit of step up there. But I guess, you know, we got to get what we can get. Last thing. The unexpected Democrat who's going to jump in the primary uh, to take on Biden. Your prediction? Nobody, nobody that. Well, I don't have a prediction, but nobody that matters. Nobody that can beat him. Uh, well, I, I, I think those are two different categories. Don't matter and can't beat him. Uh, so you'll, you can report it. You heard it here. If you first. can't beat him, if you can't beat him, you don't matter. Uh, here, here, you heard it here first, David Drucker. Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. She can't there beat him. She can't beat him. Doesn't matter. Couldn't win in her home state. Yeah, but there's a new house in the Virgin Islands just waiting for her to collect that grift and, and put down a down payment. So that's well, my prediction. there's always that. <laughs> Stacey Abrams. David Drucker, thank you for fitting us in on the fly as you cover the uh, 2024 presidential race. We really appreciate your time. Thanks so much.